flex on the outside. They're two different things. The one is us just conforming to what's expected of us. The other is the life of Christ in us, changing us, transforming us, making us different. Christianity is the life of Christ in us, changing us, transforming us. Religion uh, is us conforming to look like something on the outside, right? Um, Eduardo, will you bring those up here? Has, has everybody in here got one? Okay, we need some more here, right? All right. Now, we didn't talk about this last week, but I want to ask a question. I want to see, see how, you, how you work out this one. What's my job as a pastor? Now, it, uh, we're talking about specifically what we're actually looking at right now. We're not talking, because you can talk about all kinds of generalities here. But we're talking about specifically what we're looking at right now. What's my job as a pastor? To which? Preach the word. Yeah. To what end? What's the, what's the purpose of it? Much? Well, now, you see, this, this is a guy that's actually thinking. He's connecting up the dots and thinking, right, to transform us. How are you going to get transformed? Okay. Yes, that's the purpose. You see, the purpose of a pastor is not to answer all your questions and fix your problems. The purpose of a pastor is to actually help you connect to Jesus Christ so that you can abide in him and he does the transforming. All right, now we looked at something else last week. We talked about every one of us being a minister, didn't we? We talked about the pastor's job being to teach you and train you for the work of the ministry. <coughs> So my job is to teach you and train you, bring you to the place where you can connect with Christ. Your job is to go out there and help other people to connect with Christ and bring them on to, in their relationship with God. Bring them into the place where they're actually walking with God and connected to him. All right. So my job, the, the church's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and that's the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is not you going out there and getting people to be like you. The work of the ministry is you and I going out there, speaking to people, and them connecting with Jesus, and Jesus does the changing. Right? It's completely different than religion. What we're talking about here is we're talking about a dynamic relationship, an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that actually changes people. We said this last week, that only an abiding church can be a healthy church. Right? Our illustration is the branch in John 15. Can a healthy branch be one that's disconnected from the vine? No, that's a dying, dead branch. Right? A healthy branch has to be connected to the vine. A healthy church has to be seeking to connect people to Jesus so that they're abiding. That's the only kind of a healthy church. I mean, if we could get all of you to conform to a certain standard, right? Um, we'll say we make Jimmy the standard of Christianity for LifeGate Baba Baptist Church, right? Sorry, Jimmy. Had to pick on somebody, right? <laughs> so everybody in LifeGate Baba Baptist Church has to be exactly like Jimmy. 
You have to do devotions the way Jimmy does. You have to dress the way Jimmy does. You have to talk to people the way Jimmy does. You have to look after the hands the way Jimmy does. You have to do everything the same way Jimmy does, right? That would be all of us conforming to a particular image. That's not Christianity. Christianity is, is us being transformed by being connected to Jesus. Remember, remember, remember at one stage there was, a, there was a book, and the book has merit. I mean, let's not trash it completely. But what would Jesus do? Right? And everybody was glowing about it for a while. It was a big deal, and people were wearing uh, wristbands, and what would Jesus do on it, and all the rest of it. The, the problem with that is that that's me trying to conform to the image of Jesus. How does that, how does that go for you? You're not that good. You can't conform to that image. It has to be him in you, transforming you, changing you into his image. All right? Um, Let me ask you a question I asked you last week. Is it possible to do church without knowing God? Yeah. Very possible. A lot of people do it, right? Is it possible for you to be a Christian and not be abiding? It is, actually. Probably all of us have known times as <clears throat> in our Christianity when we weren't abiding, we were disconnected uh, because of one thing and another, right? <clears throat> and um, confirmation is dealing with the physical symptoms without ever addressing the root cause of the problem. If the root is intact, the symptoms will never fully be healed. Right? You see, so here's what happens. People come along and they get enthralled by Christianity, and <clears throat> they decide, I want to be a Christian. And so they decide that they're going to live the Christian way, they're going to do the Christian things, and they conform. And then one day you look at them, and they're back living the way they lived before. When you get transformed, something different happens. Conforming is you trying to live the Christian life. You're trying to do your best at it. You're giving it your best shot. That's what transforming is when God transforms you from the inside. And it's not that it's easy, but it's not a labor now to be a Christian. Somebody who's being transformed from the inside out is living in such a way that Christianity is actually a blessing to them. And it's enjoyable. It's not something that you're forced to do or you have to do. Uh, there's a sweetness about it. And then we talked about our two friends, the, the, the Pharisee and the publican, didn't we? And um, we, we, we looked at those two poor guys, and we had a lot to say about them because you studied them out last week. But let me just add a couple of things to it, right? Uh, behavior modification works around our sin nature, but it doesn't fix the problem, our hearts. We try to rearrange the flesh to success to rule our lives, and it produces one of two results. The first result is that of pride. That was the Pharisee. He had conformed to the outward standard of what a good Jew should be. His heart was not changed. So he could stand up the front of the synagogue, and he could say, oh, I thank you that I'm such a good man, and I, and I don't do the bad things, and I do do the good things, and I'm, I'm not like him. And you see, conforming produces pride. It brings us to that place where we're proud. Uh, and so he was quick to condemn other people uh, because of that. The, the second result that external conforming will produce is condemnation. 
Right? So what's he doing? He's condemning others. You see, if you can do it by yourself in your power and somebody else is not doing it, you're saying, what's wrong with you? Straighten up, fly straight. Get it together. Be like me. And you're condemning other people. How does that go? Have you ever been condemned by somebody else? Have you ever had somebody else judge you harshly and just kind of look down their noses at you and tell you to get straightened out as far as your Christianity was concerned? How'd that go for you? Did that make, the, did that make you say, yeah, I want to be a better Christian from now on? No, that, that had you going out the door, hadn't it? I think this poor publican, if it was just about the Pharisee and God hadn't stepped into it, he was gone. Because the guy was condemning him, and you can always sense when somebody's condemning you. Condemnation doesn't help. I mean, I hope that because you're saved and you've walked with God for a number of years, you're changed, you're different. What that means is some of the things you used to do, you don't do anymore. Some of the things that, that, that you were kind of caught up on are not happening in your life anymore. But you need to remember and understand um, there, there are tables, Caroline, if you want to come up to one. And there's even pens at this table. Johnny left them for you. <laughs> you can sit whatever table you like, right? Um, <clears throat> but I, I hope you also remember this, that you're not changed because you became a good person. You're changed because you met someone good, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's working in you and changing you. That produces humility. That produces, that makes you humble. You're not looking down your nose at anybody else then. You're, you're trying to show somebody else where to find the bread that you found um, for nothing. Right? So our goal ought to be to see other people connected to Christ and transformed. Now, what are the problems with that? What are the problems with that? Let me tell you what some of the problems with that are, are for a leader, right? If I can get you guys all to conform to a certain standard, then it looks like, on the outside at least, like I'm winning the war. You know, I can show you off. I can say, look, here they, are. they, they, they all do the same things. They all, they all look the same. Getting people to transform because they know Jesus Christ is messy. Because it happens at all different levels and all different speeds. And somebody, somebody gets it and goes with it and runs with it and somebody else uh, takes a long time to get it. And it's, it's just messy. Yeah, and Christianity can be a, real Christianity can be a messy business. It's not something where we kind of get it, oh yeah, and, and we go flying. We, we kind of go zigzag in and out and we get something and then we lose it and we, uh, and we begin to move, move around. Uh, move, move on ahead but you don't just get it and go for it but what happens is real Christianity allows somebody to fail and get back up again <clears throat> conforming when you fail you're condemned you had the chance you had your chance and by the way the enemy is a great uh, condemner <clears throat> he loves to sit in your shoulder and say yeah yeah well you had every chance and you blew it Look, they let you into the men's home and you went back on drugs. Therefore, you know what? You're listening to your waste of space. Uh, you don't deserve another chance. Uh, you're gone. Uh, you know, you, you got saved out of sin and the muck of sin and you went back to it. You, you know what? You don't deserve a second chance. What does Jesus say, though? You do? 
Not that you deserve it, but he's going to give you a second chance and a third chance. If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, how many times do you think he will confess, he will accept my confession? How many times, how many times did he say to Peter when Peter said, yeah, 70 times 7, an infinite number of times. Now, look, I don't want to fail an infinite number of times, neither do you. That's not the goal. That's not the aim of it. But the point of it is that if you do, he will take you back. Right? And the problem is, why do we fail, folks? Why does a Christian fail? Why does a Christian get it wrong? Somebody, somebody tell us. Some, somebody here must have gotten it wrong at some point in their lives uh, after they were saved. Why did you fail? Because you're human. <laughs> yeah. And what happens? You know, I, I think almost everybody who's genuinely saved experiences a moment of woe. And stuff that was a problem is no longer a problem. I think that's real. For all, you know, I, I, I think that comes with getting saved. But what happens? How does somebody go back and do the same stupid thing again? They want to, okay. Let's say it's smoking. I've known a lot of people do this, right? Um, somebody gets saved, and in that initial flush of holiness, of love for God, of just his, his, his life in them, they give up smoking, they walk away from it, they've been trying to do it for years, and all of a sudden they did it, and it's gone in their lives. Anybody here experienced that? All right, so some of you have experienced, it's gone, it's just, good night, don't even want them anymore, right? Now, why would somebody go back to smoking after that? Roly? Aha, that's always the problem. You start relying on your own strength. Here's what happens, and, and, and again, this I think is very common to all of us, you know, you get saved, you get this whoosh of the power of God working in your life, you think, Whoa, that's amazing. I couldn't do that. Then <clears throat> what happens is you begin to feel, I am quite amazing, haven't I? Yeah, I've, I've walked away from those things. And what happens is you quietly step out of trusting God back into trusting you. Now, you couldn't do it the first time. You can't do it the second time. You're going to fall on your face. Now, here's what happens, though, then. The enemy comes along and he says, see, told you you were no good. I told you we're no good, you couldn't do it, and um, you're, you're a waste of space, so you might as well just keep doing it because you're no good. No, that's a lie. You've got you to learn to reject the lies of the enemy. That's a lie. Right? No, what, need, what happened is you start depending upon yourself again. You've got to see it and repent of it. That means you change your mind and your heart. You say, listen, I shouldn't have done that. That was just me depending on me. The, the sin is not smoking in that instance. The sin is depending on yourself. The result of depending upon yourself is smoking. Do you understand that? That it's the heart always that's the problem. It's not the, the externals that are the problem. The heart dictates the externals, and so what happens is you get something in your, in your mind, in your heart, and then you end up um, doing it, but the problem is always dealing with the heart. And you see, so often what we do is somebody... <clears throat> 
Somebody who's made a mistake in smoking is just one example. But we tell them, look, you need to stop doing that. I need to get on the right path and do the right thing again. That's not dealing with the issue of the heart. The issue of the heart is who are you depending on? You need to forsake your self-dependence and come back to the place where you're depending upon God. That's the only thing that's going to help you. That's the only thing that works. Christianity is not another religion. Christianity is a person, Jesus Christ, coming in to change you from the inside out. And when you fail, what happened is you failed to connect with the power that can actually keep you from that sin. So you see how important it is that we actually are focused on abiding ourselves and on teaching other people to abide. Because what happens even in churches is this. What happens is people get taught to confirm, to conform. And when they fail, as far as conforming is concerned, they get condemned. And they run to ground. They don't know what to do with themselves. And they're missing the reality. No, listen, does God love you as much when you sin as he does when you're walking with him? Yeah, he, never, he, he can't love you more. Now, understand this. The manifestation of his love to somebody who's going their own way and doing their own thing is going to be completely different than the manifestation of his love to somebody who's walking with him. Understand that. God is no fool. He's not going to bless sin He's never going to do that. There's going to be difficulty for you, but not difficulty because he hates you and he's bent out of shape with you and he wants to give you a slap across the side of the head. Difficulty because he loves you and he wants you to come back to the right place. He wants you to bring, to bring you back to the right place. Remember, when it comes to being committed in a relationship, you have never had anybody more committed in a relationship to you than Jesus Christ is. He's much more committed than you are. He is much more committed than you are, and he is committed to death, literally. In other words, he wanted this relationship with you so bad, he was willing to hang on a cross and pay the price for your sin. He's all in, if you like, and he's not withdrawing from it. So we need to get off the idea of conforming and come back to the idea of, no, I, I need to be transformed by what he's doing in my life. Okay, so now, somebody read for me 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Who's got it? Go for it, nice and loud. It is 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Yeah, go, go for it. Okay, so that's talking about transformation there, right? Uh, What's happening is that as you look into the face of the Lord, you're being transformed. You're being changed, right? That when when you're looking at it... Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we don't spend a lot of time looking into his face. Sometimes we avoid that. 
And the transformation process gets pretty slow when we do that. And as we're looking into him, you know, when you look into a mirror, does, does, do you change? No. When you look into the Lord, do you change? Yeah. He's actually changing you. When you're looking into his face, what he's doing is he's changing you. That's why some of the things that have changed in your life, you never even set out to change. They just happened, didn't they? How many of you know that experience? You didn't even try to change the things. They just happened in your life. So Something that was a problem for you just drifted away and was gone. You're saying, oh, I haven't done that in a long time and I really don't have any desire to do that anymore. You see... What, what's happening there is you're being transformed as you gaze upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He is changing you. Right? Um, so what we need to do, though, is we need to understand the process, what's really happening here. I'm not changing myself by doing and doing and doing. That's religion. I'm changing myself by abiding. By looking into his face. What, what would that look like in practical terms in your life? Gazing into his face. What would it look like? Oh, you're, you're just waving at me, are you? <laughs> what would that look like in practical terms? Gazing into his face. Difficulty see. Anybody? Jer? You open your Bible. You say, Lord, I want you to speak to me. Right? And God begins to speak to you. Have you known those moments when it's almost like now, it's, it's almost like there's a connection between you and God, and it's like there's a, you know, there's a wire going between you and God, and he's connecting with you through the scripture. Have you known those moments? You should. You should expect those moments in your life. Don't expect your Bible time to be um, dry where you just read. Ask God, God, I need something today. I need a connection with you. And in that moment where in the Bible something comes alive, that's God connecting with you. How many of you have done this? You had a burden. You had something that was really heavy on your heart, and so you started just talking to God about it. You poured out your heart to God about it. And as you're pouring out your heart to God, you can feel the burden lifting. Been there? Listen, that's you connecting with God, gazing uh, into the face of God. You, know, you come to uh, church on a Sunday morning and the word of God is preached and somehow it connects with you. That's you connecting with God. You're, you're singing on a Sunday morning and, and you're singing and all of a sudden the tears rolling down your face. By the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Everything, everything good about that. When, you're, when, when a tear rolls down your face because you love the Lord Jesus. You might be able to explain it to a lot of people, but that doesn't matter. That's you gazing into the face of the Lord. You're connecting with Him. You get into a prayer meeting and you just get lost in God. That's you connecting with God. Those are the precious times in our lives that actually help the transformation process. But remember we looked on Sunday at the disciples and the disciples, Jesus said to them, you know, the three times he came out and he found them asleep. He said, yeah, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know that one. Do you know that one? <laughs> the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Yeah, I know it does me good, but you know what? Uh, I, I'd sooner do something much easier than that. 
But we've got to understand that. No, the, the, the transformation process happens. Listen, the transformation process is a sweet thing. It's not, it's not a burden. It's a sweet thing in your life. And you've got, you got to recognize, no, I need to, I, need to, I need to spend time with him. We can spend time with all kinds of things and very little time with him. Can't we? Common problem for humanity. That's, that's why we're not transformed. We're not transformed because we don't have enough willpower. We're transformed because we don't spend enough time in him. You spend enough time in his presence, his power changes you, transforms you. Uh, try it. <clears throat> so we must submit, ensure that we are submitting ourselves to, the trans to be transformed first and foremost. Uh, and <clears throat> we should be more focused on pointing others to Christ that he can transform them rather than trying to focus on changing their behavior ourselves. All right? <clears throat> so it's not about me changing your behavior or you changing somebody else's behavior. It's about you connecting them to Jesus Christ. He will change their behavior. He does the changing. And that's always true for Christians. He does the changing. He's the one that actually changes. Now look at me at Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing, right? Now, he's, Romans chapter 7 comes after Romans chapter 6. I know that's a surprise to you, right? In Romans chapter 6, he talks about victory over sin. Can an unsaved person have victory over sin? No. An unsaved person can do a lot of good things. But an unsaved person can't have victory over sin. Because remember, the heart of sin is I want my own way. That's the heart of sin. I want my own way. And an unsaved person, they, their way may be religious, but it's their own way. All right? <clears throat> so... Um, so Paul is talking here, he's, he's a believer, and he's talking about himself, and he's been very transparent with us, right? <clears throat> for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Right now, here's what he's talking about. I want to go walk in this direction and do this. I want to do right. I want to go to church. I want to read my Bible. I want, to, I want to be right with God. I want to give up those sins and so on. I want, I want to do the right thing before God. And that's what I want. That's what, but that's not what I do. You know, I, I find myself in bed on a Sunday morning when I should be in church. I find myself not reading my Bible the way I ought to. I find myself doing stuff I don't want to do. The good that I would, that what I want to do, I don't do. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Now then, verse 17, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And here's something that you've got to understand and reckon on. You, you as a believer, right? Um, you as a believer need to understand that you still have a sin nature. That's not that you're weird, you're different, uh, you're not like everybody else. 
No, you still have a sin nature. So inside of you, you still have the capacity for sin. You have the desire for sin. It's still within you, right? Um, that's there. So what you've got is you've got a new nature and an old nature that are in opposition to each other. And you're going to give in to one or the other of them. When you give in to the old nature, you're going to be like the old man. When you give in to the new nature, you're going to be like the new man, like Jesus Christ. And what Paul is saying is, look, it's still in me. So don't be surprised by that. That's real. You just don't have to give in to it anymore. All right? Um, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. I want to do right. My flesh gets in the way. And in my flesh, there's no good thing. If I depend on my flesh, I'm always going to go wrong. My flesh is always going to take me the wrong direction. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. So can you see his problem here? He's torn up inside. I want to do right the good. I want to do the good. But I'm not doing the good. I'm doing the wrong. Now, we can all identify with that at different points in our Christian lives, right? The good I want to do, I'm not doing. Uh, Now, if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Isn't that true for the believer? I delight in the law. I think that's great. I think God's word is great. I think God's way is great. That's what I want. I want to walk with him. I want to, I want to go his direction. I delight in the, in, the, in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing him into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am. Have you been there? Have you been that wretched man? Oh, wretched man that I am. I want to do right. I plan to do right. But it just doesn't happen. And Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. Notice the next few words are really important. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He doesn't say, how am I going to be delivered? He doesn't say, how am I going to deliver myself? Because in his flesh dwelleth no good thing. Because in his flesh is the old man that's causing him trouble all the time. He doesn't say, how am I going to do it? He doesn't say, who, you know, he says, who is going to deliver me? That's your answer, your question, and your answer is right there. Who's going to deliver me? Um, I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, with, with, with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, we need to go into chapter 8 because uh, this passage all goes together, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. A couple of things. 
the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. Now understand that. The problem is, oh wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is what delivers me. It's not, it's not me pulling myself up by my bootstraps and making it happen. It's the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You see, here's the thing. If you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps, right? <clears throat> Say you become a Christian. And use our, smoke, our smoking illustration again, right? You become a Christian and God takes away smoking out of your life and you're going, whoa, how'd that happen? It's just gone. Don't even want them anymore. And you go back to smoking, right? What do you do? Do you go to a hypnotist and have him help you get off cigarettes? Do you, do you steal yourself up and say, all right, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <clears> to <throat> throw the cigarettes in the fire and I'm not going to smoke anymore? What do you do? You've got to go back to the same thing, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I can't, Lord. You said you would. You did before. Lord, if you don't do it, I'm sunk. I need you to do it. Now, that means you need to get rid of the cigarettes and you need to plan not to take them. But you can depend upon God to do what he says he will do. You can't, but he can. Right? And it's hard for us to get back to that place sometimes because our faith gets damaged because here's what the enemy does. The enemy comes to you and he says to you, you see, you're a waster. You're a loser. You don't deserve a second chance. You know, you, 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 listen, this is all you are and all you'll ever be. Right? And he comes and he says, and so now you're, and what happens is you kind of let that in. Now, is it true that you're a loser? Some of you are going to hate me for this. Yes, <laughs> it's true that you're a loser, right? Now, why, why are you a loser? Because you were hopelessly lost and on your way to hell, and a man called Jesus had to die on a cross to save you. And you have to buy into that. You can't, you can't there's no way for you to say, no, that's not me, come on, I'm better than that. No, listen, that's who you are. Not who you were, that's who you are. But when you recognize that fact, and call out to him and trust him, him as your savior, he delivers you. When you recognize that you can't, you're not able by yourself, and you call out to him, he delivers you again and again and again and again. To understand, it's him, it's not you that's doing it. The law of the spirit and life of life in Christ Jesus has made me free for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Is the law a good law? Yeah. If there was a law anywhere that could ever save anybody, it's the law of the Old Testament. The law of the Old Testament shows the holiness of God, right? <clears throat> if there was ever a law that could save, that was the law. The problem with the law was nobody could keep it because of the flesh. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we act like our Christian flesh is somehow sanctified and we're better than the Old Testament Jew. No. You're just the same. You still can't do it. It's, it's got to be the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Your, your flesh will not be able to do right. Your flesh will not be able to get you holy. It's not going to happen. God has made a much better way for you, a much better way uh, to help you, to bring you th through uh, to the likeness, to transformation, right? Uh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Note the end goal. The end goal 
is the righteousness of the law. You say, that's a lot of holiness. But it's not the righteousness of the law by the law. It's the righteousness of the law by transformation through Jesus Christ. It's him working in you that changes you. It's his work. It's him that does the work in you, not you. You can't do it. It was never part of the plan that you should do it. Christianity, to my mind, right, uh, is the end of a long line of things God did to show man that he couldn't do it. Right? Um, and he brings Christianity because he's going to put a new heart in you and change you and enable you to do that which is impossible for your flesh to do. But you've got to sort out the difference between your flesh and what God is doing. Okay, so grab your sheets there. I'm going to give you a few minutes to work on your sheet, okay? Okay.